0: up with me you know it's sometimes difficult to keep up with myself as I do this but uh, I want to talk a lot about uh, what God is showing us and some things about this story of Jesus that I may you may not have ever noticed before but I want to start in Psalm 103 that Psalm that we have been looking at these last several weeks and I want to read it again because it has been uh, your experience unlocking the power of psalm 103 it says praise the Lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. I'm in verse 7. Psalm 103, 7. He made known his ways to Moses. His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger. Abounding in love. He will not always accuse. Nor will he harbor his anger forever. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over and it, it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all you his saints, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, all you, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. As we've unlocked this psalm in the last several weeks, so many of you have been applying that psalm to your own life and experience uh, it's like David when we looked last week out of 1 Samuel chapter 23. David was in distress. King David, shepherd boy made king. And psalmist, one who sang uh, to the Lord his songs. But there was a time in his life when he was under great distress. In 1 Samuel 23, uh, 16, it says that his friend Jonathan came to him and strengthened his hand in the Lord. He had someone in his life who came and said, David, be strong in the Lord. The Lord is on your side. The Lord is with you. The Lord loves you. You can walk. And we're thankful, aren't we? Aren't you thankful when someone gives you a call or uh, talks to you or sends you a note or just encourages you and say, keep going, you can make it. But David also experienced seven chapters later a circumstance out of 1 Samuel chapter 30 Verse 6, he found himself all alone. No one was around him. In fact, those that were around him were picking up stones to kill him. They said, David, it's all your fault that our families have been uh, captured by the enemy. We're alone. We don't have anything. It's all your fault. You're our leader. You're the one we're going to go after. And the Bible gives us this amazing word that David encouraged himself in the Lord he went to God and said, God, you've got to be my encouragement. I've got to find encouragement. I'm going to go to you because no one around me is there to encourage my heart. And we've talked a lot about that because it's, it's that, that alone time. No one to help. All alone. And many have uh, relayed to me uh, if, when they've been sick, they just feel all alone. Particularly those that go into the hospital, they just, they're, they're alone. They can't be, Their family can't see them. They're just alone. And what do you do? What do we do in those circumstances? Psalm 103 is David's response. He found the power of praise. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And he finishes up. Look at verse 22. Praise the Lord, my soul. He said, I'm going to talk to myself. I'm going to lift my, my head up. And I talk to myself and said, listen. You can do a couple things. You can fall under this or you can come up and say, Lord, I will praise you in the midst of this, my journey. In Psalm 103, he went over all the benefits. And last week, we listened. Let me just do it again. Out of the first five verses, he said, He forgives my sin. He heals me. He redeems me. He crowns me with compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things. And he renews my youth like the eagle. All those words. uh, One of our elders, Mark, last week after the sermon, he said, do you know that every one of those things is a name of God? I said, you're absolutely right. This is how God identifies himself. God said, this is who I am. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. And, and on and on. He's our redeemer. He's our, he is our God. All the names of God. And then we saw that David then went back to the foundations of his faith. He went back to the time of Moses. Verse 7 in 103. He made known his ways to Moses we spent some time there because in Exodus 34, God says, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. And God said, I'm going to tell you who I am so that you know my character and you can trust in me. And this is what I'm like. 400 years before, David goes back and finds these words and said, I'm going to live in those. And then we saw verse 6. Uh, I'm, I'm just, yeah, verse 5 rather your youth is renewed like the eagles and that came uh, 300 years after this to Isaiah when Isaiah said your youth those who wait upon the Lord their youth will be renewed by, like the eagles so we've got to apply this scripture to ourselves we've got to apply these truths to our own life why? because in the hard times in the difficult times our circumstances our situation can cause us to forget the Lord And I don't know why we do that, but we just forget. We say, well, I forgot about that, Lord. So we focus. We need to focus on that, on bless the Lord for all his benefits. But we focus on problems often, don't we? We focus on our pain or our disappointments. We look at God through our circumstances. So we put our circumstances right in front of us and try to find God through that and say, well, Lord, where are you? And how come this? And I don't feel you. And where are you? And it's so lonely and whatever. Instead of, Putting God in front of our circumstance. God, you're more than enough. God, you're all that I need. God, you're the one I'm going to trust in. And that's Psalm 103. In my study here, there's a verse in uh, verse 17, Psalm 103, verse 17, that it says this. Well, let me back up to 14. I always back up, don't I? Let's go back up to 14. Because it says, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The winds blow over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Well, when you grab hold of that phrasing out of his song, out of his psalm of praise, he is again quoting Moses. Go back to Psalm 90. Just go back a couple of pages. I don't know if you knew that Moses was also uh, a writer of prayer and a writer of song. If you go to Psalm 90, if you have it under your Bible, uh, right under Psalm 90, it says, A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Now again, Moses wrote this 400 years before this. He said, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born or you were brought forth before you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, your God. You turn, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by, like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like new grass. In the morning it springs up new, and the evening is dry. But that phrase, return to dust, what, it's, go back to Psalm 103. He knows that we are but dust. So again, David has built a foundation of God in his life so that in the trial, in the circumstances, he's bringing it back. He said, Lord, you know what I'm made of. Moses said that too. Moses said, God is forgiving, God is compassionate, God is gracious, he's got mercy and I can rely on that. But he also knows how I'm made. How many of you are thankful that God knows how you are made? How many? Do see a hand? you glad to know that? That God knows you from beginning to end, inside and out. He knows who you are. In the psalmist, David, in Psalm 103 said, I want to repeat that to you, Lord, and tell you that you know who I am. Thank you. But now verse 17 is another interesting verse. Verse 17, it says, From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. God's covenant love and grace give hope. It gives us purpose for that will never fade away. It says from everlasting to everlasting. Because the loving kindness of the Lord is forever. So the psalmist repeats that. Now this week many of us and all over the world are remembering the birth of Jesus. The Lord Jesus. Although his actual birth was probably more like around the the time of the Feast of Tabernacles in the fall feast area. But we focus on it now. There are a lot of reasons for that. But I want to share you two things in the story that maybe you have never noticed before. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. I was so startled when I saw this. I was was reading through Matthew and Luke uh, about the birth of Jesus and... Say, Lord, what is there? Is there anything in here that I need to see? In verse 26, if you read the, the, the whole account of Luke chapter 1, you know the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest, and they had no children, and God unlocked her womb, and she was going to give birth. Verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. It's interesting to me that God brings the angel into Mary's life on on the heels or with the explanation of Elizabeth who was a relative of hers. In a moment we're going to see why that's significant, but he says at the time in the 6th month of her pregnancy God sent an angel to Mary well, you know that story because we, we call it all the time about how the angel came to her. You found favor. Don't be concerned. Uh, you're going to be with child. Let's go down to um, verse, uh, verse 30. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You're called his name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Quite amazing words to a young lady who wasn't married and said, you're going to give birth. And notice in verse 34, she says, how can this be? Can you see? Can you read that doubt in her mind, her heart? This is impossible. How can this be since, since I'm a virgin? How can I bring forth a child? She was told what to do, he's going to call his name Jesus, he's going to be great, but look down a little further, the angel said the Holy Spirit will come on you and be the power of the Most High, will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will, with, will be called the Son of God. And notice again that the angel brings in the word of the Lord and it's wrapped around Elizabeth. Not Mary at this point, but it's still Elizabeth. This was significant, but it's Elizabeth. Even Elizabeth, look at verse 36, Your relative is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Listen to this powerful word, For no word from God will ever fail. We're going to see later on that God had a plan. God has words for us. God has a way to live and. Mary was walking in that and needed to hear that God has something to say about your life and about Elizabeth's life because God's word will never fail and she's going to have a child. So the story goes that she then got ready, Mary got ready and went down to uh, the hill country to Judea where she entered Zacharias' house and greeted Elizabeth. And we know, again, I'm just referring to this, I'm assuming that most of you know this story. But while she is in Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth cries out, verse 42. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb will leap for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is, uh, the word that came was Mary, you're rising above your circumstances. You're rising above a situation that you would never have even imagined happened to you. You're going to have a child, but you're believing the Lord. That's putting God in front of your circumstances. He said, I will believe the Lord for what he said. And at that point, Mary bursts out in a song. You have it down, Mary's song. What comes out of her worship and praise. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. But he's lifted up the humble. And he has filled the hungry with good things. But has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel. Remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Just as he promised our ancestors. Now why is that significant? Because verse 50 All the cross-references in your Bible will say that that is a direct quote from Psalm 103, verse 17. I'm reading this again, and I'm shocked. We saw Moses, 1400. We see David, the year 1000. We see Isaiah, about the year 700, prophesying to come. Seven more, 100 years. And here is Mary as she she releases her heart to God and she quotes Psalm 103. I said, Lord, you are up to something. Because here we are, the year 2021, and many of you are finding Psalm 103 to be something that gives you life. The word of God is powerful. You see, what we believe about Mary and Joseph, and what Mary, filled with questions, doubting, what uncertain of the future, she found strength in the Lord. Psalm 103 became an undergirding power of praise in her life. I don't need to remind you of this, but I will. That what we think of as Christmas with snow and Uh, dashing through the snow and jingle bells and, and roasting chestnuts on fires and all that kind of stuff is nothing but sentimental tradition. Because it wasn't like that. It's what we've made it to be. So all of us get all gooey and nostalgic about what we see and we like it. I understand that. I like it too. But in reality, when she said, Lord, you have remembered my humble estate that I was poor. I don't I, I don't. I, it was it was brutal time. It was not a sentimental, beautiful scene. They they lived in poverty. Jesus was was uh, displaced as an infant with his mom and dad down to Egypt, living in a land that people didn't like them. The king of Israel at the time was Herod was trying to kill them. They had poverty, danger. And yet in the midst of that, she found to declare Psalm 103. I love that. That she said, I can praise God right now. I'm pregnant. My, my relative Elizabeth, she's six months. Now she's probably ready to give birth. It said, verse 256. she stayed with Elizabeth for three months and then returned home. So now she's about three months along, three or four months along, and she goes home. And we know the story of Joseph. We know how he took her to be his wife. And the baby is born. The shepherds come. We know that. But I want now to look at the second part of this that I don't know that we've all noticed. Go to chapter 2 in Luke, verse 21. Jesus has been born. The shepherds came and worshipped and said, wow, let's see what the Lord is doing. And they glorified God. But verse 21, it says, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name of an angel, the angel had given him before he was conceived. What Joseph and Mary were doing now is in accordance with the laws of God that the male male children were to be circumcised and they took him to the temple to do that. Verse 22 When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what it is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons. Now that's a part that I've never heard in the Christmas story. That eight days, seven, eight days, Jesus is brought to the temple for the rite of circumcision. And then 32 days, 33 days later, according to the law, they went in, for the purification of Mary. I'm going to look at two passages of Scripture. Go with me to Leviticus chapter 12. Leviticus chapter 12. So that you can put some context into this phrase, and we're going to get something here, I think, that's going to be very important for our lives. Leviticus chapter 12, it's called "The Purification after Childbirth." The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, A woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. If she gives birth to a daughter for two weeks, the woman will be unclean and during as during her period. Then she must wait 66 days to be purified from her bleeding. And when the days of purification the son, uh, for a son or daughter are over, she's bring to the priest at the entrance of the Teta meeting a year old lamb for a burnt offering. And a young pigeon or a dove is a sin offering. He shall offer them before the Lord to make atonement for her. And then she will be ceremonially clean from the flow of blood. These are the regulations for the woman who gives birth to a boy or a girl. But if she cannot afford a lamb, she's to bring two doves or two young pigeons. One for burnt offering, one for the sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she'll be clean. As I read the story in Luke, I think you noticed that they brought pigeons. That is because they were poor. They had nothing more to offer. That was, if you can't afford this, this is what you bring. And she brought that offering to the Lord, according to the word of the Lord, according to the law, the law of the Lord. And she did it for, for being cleansed, uh, uh, the ceremonial cleansing. She was able now to go back into the sanctuary. She was able to take part in normal activities. That's pretty amazing. They walked according to what God had said. But then the phrase that jumped out to me, which we're going to wrap together now, is that they came to present him to the Lord. They came to present Jesus to the Lord. Now, I read that and I said, what does that mean? Why would they do that? While you're in Leviticus, go back to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 13. I've been reading through Exodus and came to this uh, chapter. This is when the children of Israel are brought out of the land that night when the Passover took place. And they uh, left Egypt. God delivered them from Egypt. And God instituted the Passover regulations for them. Again, right after that, this verse, these verses come. Look at verse 2. Chapter 13. Consecrate to me every firstborn male. Go down to verse 12. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Verse 13. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you don't redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Verse 15. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offering of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons and it will be like a sign in your hand and a symbol in your forehead, forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. Presenting to the Lord God says what is going to happen now is the firstborn belongs to me. Bring them to me to present, present them to the Lord. It's to place or set beside or near, to place at someone's disposal. Let them use it. It's a technical term for the priest who would present and lay his offering on the altar. It's a surrendering to or yielding up. And from the time of the Passover until this time with Joseph and Mary. God was claiming the firstborn. The life of the child belonged to God, dedicated to the Lord. And I want you to know that this action was just as serious as everything we've all seen in the story of Jesus' birth, that he was presented to the Lord according to the law of God. It was not a superficial, uh, empty scene. It was an act of obedience. It mattered. It wasn't just a casual happenstance, hey, we ought to go up there. It gives a foundation Of Jesus' very life and understanding that mom and dad, Joseph, his earth father, who didn't give him birth, he was not biological, but he became his father, they brought him to the temple and they brought him to the Lord, intentionally placing this newborn son to God for God's care, dedicating and trusting him to God's protection. They were surrendering Jesus to God's supervision and making the pledge that this new baby boy was God's and that God could use him however he ever wanted, however he wanted. I read this and I'm thinking, presenting to the Lord, to me suddenly, and we won't look at these verses for sake of time, but if you go to Luke chapter 2, verse 49, I believe it is, 2.49, 2.49, he said, this is my father's house. When Mary and Joseph said, Jesus, where have you been? He said, I've been about my father's business. And I would, I would shake my head at that if I didn't understand that he knew from birth that he had been presented to Father God. And then you get into Matthew, I'm sorry, John 2.16, where later on Jesus' ministry, he comes in and kicks over the, the, the money changers, and he said, this is my father's house. Jesus knew that he had belonged to the Father because according to law, they presented Jesus to the Lord. God sent his son. His earthly parents presented him back to the Lord, dedicated him to the Lord. This same word, and this is where it wraps around us, this same word, present, is the words that Paul used in Romans chapter 12, one and two, let's go there. Romans chapter one, or 12, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12. The book of Romans in the New Testament, Romans chapter 12. Many of you know these scriptures, but I want you to see them in new light because it's the same words. Therefore, I urge you, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, In view of God's mercy, the NIV says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The King James and most others say, "Present your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy, pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. If we could put ourselves in Paul's voice and his beseeching, his crying out, the word is so deep in the word Who I I urge you, I beseech you, brother. It is almost as if Paul falls to his knees and crying, pleading, and begging. He said, please, I'm begging you if you would only understand that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service in a very hallowed and, and, and consecrated and serious manner, manner, present yourself to God. Put yourself in God's care. Surrender yourself to all that God has, wants to do in you. Said God, lead my life. Direct my steps. Order my steps, Lord. I'm pledging that I belong to you. And you can use me any way you want. I belong to you. I'm his. Please don't assume that that happened on the day that you accepted Christ as your Savior and became a believer because Paul's writing to believers. He said, This has got to be done. It's got to be something that you do as a living sacrifice. Living. To live in a continual state of surrender, not a once for all decision. But a daily decision to keep on surrendering ourselves to the Lord every day. Every day. Another opportunity to say, Lord, here I am, I belong to you. Today's that day to present yourself, surrender yourself to the heart of God. Give your soul, give your emotions, give your spirit, give your body, all that you are, all that you possess, and give it to Him. From the beginning, Psalm 103. The psalmist cries out, Lord, in my distress, I will only praise you. I will forget not your benefits. I will understand all that you've done for me. I remember what Moses said. Isaiah said, I remember what David said. Mary said, I know that God keeps his covenant promises. And Mary and Joseph, in those 40 days from his birth, brought that little one to the Father. Like they did the firstborn all over the the world, they did it and according to the word of God and then Paul takes the same words in Romans 12 and he said now you present your body a living sacrifice you know we live in a world right now that talks about gifts talks about well what are you going to get for Christmas what are you going to give that's, that's what we do it's all about giving it's all about doing this and uh, we get the calls what does dad want the boys come what does mom want First of all, we don't need a thing. If I needed it, I would have got it last week. I don't have to wait till that day. We don't need a thing. But I thought, what can I present to Jesus? What can I bring? We know that the the three men who came from the east—more than three—but those three brought gifts: frank and gold, frankincense, or they brought gifts. Later on, they brought gifts to Jesus, and that's I think where we get the idea. But Paul said it this way. What would God want? What does he want? What does he desire? They asked Jesus that question. Out of Matthew chapter 22, he said, what's the greatest commandment in the law? What is God really requiring of us? What does he want? Jesus replied simply this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What do you present to the Lord? This morning, presenting ourselves as living Cypress said, Lord, here we are. As Joseph and Mary presented to Jesus you present yourself and say, Lord, here I am. I, want your, I need your care. I need your protection. I need your, I want you. I allow you to supervise this life of mine. I allow you to use me as you want to use me. Jesus was poor, made rich, that we might become his. He was born in hard times, Mary and hard, Joseph, hard times, but they found in God that God keeps his words and they said, Lord, we're going to follow you in everything we do. How about you? You're going to follow him all your life. We need to come and adore the Lord this morning. I know we have. We need to do it some more. Worship team, if you would come up. We're going to sing. Oh, come, let us adore him to worship God. That's our calling Again, my heart. Would you stand with me and maybe just bow your head and say, Lord, this season... I want to walk in new revelation of who you are. But more than that, I want to say, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you all that is within me. I thank you for what you've done. Thank you for coming to earth. And Lord, for this day, we present ourselves as living sacrifices to you, our God, to you. Thank you for faith, the faith of Mary and Joseph in obedience said, Lord, we're going to do it because we recognize we belong to you and our firstborn is yours. We give you our life. Let's worship him as we close our service this morning. Let's just worship him.